It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Steady NFL on Twitter. Still doesn't matter. At Diddy NFL. Follow me. Yeah, do it now. That was a that was a bit of um, radio voice finish there. Hey, hey, what's going? Hey. Do you know what? I, do you know what I hate about radio voices? And people do tend to listen on. Uh, runs and all this type of stuff is when the radio host starts to and I've seen a couple uh, they shall not be named a couple of podcasts oh, are you doing the radio laugh? Uh, <laughs> where they laugh for absolutely no reason so what are you getting up to today Julie? she'd be like I'm going to do me shopping huh? <laughs> uh, yeah but it's, it's like they're almost Nothing afraid fun. of dead air let's leave some dead air yeah see it won't bite you it won't bite you don't worry about dead air it's your friend you know that's some more yeah, but that's what they fine. say is that uh <laughs> you know people are like shaking their ipods right now do people use ipods who cares um so come here is that a thing yeah, yeah. that's the thing yeah well, how are you getting on at daryl j o'brien on the old twitter box here how are you getting on bro what's what's going on for the the past week you've got over the man uh, flu by the sound of it so it wasn't actually uh covid19 or the new well, variant 20 well it is. I mean, I know you can see me, and I may look like the person that was formerly Daryl, but I may be uh, a plant by the Russians. Mm. Daryl may be dead. <laughs> oh no! And this is how they infiltrate. They start off with exactly. the podcast first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, trying times. Um, but hey, if you can give good content, people don't care. That's what I found. People mm-hmm. don't care. Uh, I have My a English is almost impeccable. Indeed. Yeah, I, I just saw a, a Twitter account came across my own Twitter uh, feds posting their L's. And apparently it's FBI agents who tried to go undercover and they Photoshop things. Didn't even know that was oh, a thing. Oh, I know them well. I know <laughs> them well. Yeah, I do love those memes though, you know, where like my FBI agent when I say I'm sick and it's a guy coming up like with takeout and <laughs> yeah. like as if they're listening to everything you say. Uh, incredible. Um, I have a clown of the week this week. Oh. Yeah, I'll leave that. Actually, do you know what? It's kind of like, do I say double clown? Who cares, right? So I'll get onto it now in a while. Um, Siamese clowns? Yeah, kind of. Um, but it's more so, look, one of them is a call to action. The other one is not, I'm not going to get into like a, a, you know, a beef. Not that these people actually listen to the uh, podcast, but I just want to mention it because Gary Brackey, a uh, big shout out to Gary, uh, regular listener. He says, bring back Clown of the Week for these clowns. And I will bring it back more so t- as a talking point. But come here, I saw a really good article I think you'd enjoy. It's got absolutely mm-hmm. nothing to do uh, with football or Packers. And we are going to get the Packers news. Um, you and I like we like our wordplay um, okay. amongst other things uh, you for the listeners out there Daryl actually went and wrote a comedic um, parody I guess ish yeah satire um, satire of um, Hamlet Prince of Denmark uh, yeah. Shakespeare but you you call it Paddy Prince of Denmark it's so so unbelievably racist. Yeah, if I tell you what, if yeah, well, it is. Uh, but if that gets out, it's uh, just you know your comedy career could take off. But it's just so unbelievable. It's so well done. And then we recorded it on video or not video cassette on tape cassette. Um, but anyway, so yeah, we're into our words. So I came across an article that wondered, right, pondered if we got normal words and pronounce pronounced them like other words that have a similar spelling. Okay, give me now, an example. Now stay with me, right? So this is this is an easy one to easy and what if 11 was pronounced 1t1 okay yeah which is solid uh, here's a nice one what if baseline was pr- pronounced like Vaseline 
Baseline. <laughs> nice. Okay. Did you hear the Baseline in that song? This is one of yeah. my favourite songs, something that you can take to your everyday. What if Wallet was pronounced like ballet? Yeah. Just take Wallet. Just, just take 20 from my Wallet there. And, uh, yeah. No, it's okay. Okay. So if female was pronounced like tamale. <laughs> Female? Female. Ah. How do you self-identify, sir? I'm a female. I'm a female. Uh, femme fatale female. But come here, if pirates was pronounced like pilates. Ah, pirates. Pirates. Ah. <laughs> Watch out for those pirates. Yeah. They might give you a box in the penis. Oh, actually, the funny story about that, if you have any Polish listeners, uh, a Polish girl I knew, uh, well, she's still alive, so I guess I still know her. She was saying that there was a Polish girl on an Irish bus talking about going to the Irish store, which they know in England as Primark, but over here is Pennies. But Mm -hmm. she said to her nanny on the phone, oh, yeah, I went to get stuff from Pennies. But Pennies is a totally different thing in Polish. Anyway, uh, so... Another good story on that. Go on. Same Primark Pennies. One girl who was, again, from Poland... Um, an amazing English but she was picking up Hiberno English mm. and Irish girls are impervious to compliments they will bat them back as you very well know yeah. with either what's wrong with it mm. your hair is lovely what's wrong with it or they'll deflect so someone said oh that's a beautiful top where did you get it and she'd go oh, pennies or else someone would say oh my god that dress is gorgeous and she'd just go pennies right yeah. so this poor Polish girl thought that pennies meant thanks in Hiberno <laughs> English so as soon as someone would say something to her they'd go oh you look really good today pennies Go, oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, must have got oh. that makeup from Pennies. Oh, okay. Primark. Um, come here, you've got a couple of daughters. Couple. Um, couple. What do they call them? Is it a parliament of daughters? A school? What do they, I call them? Called? I call them honey and brown sugar because one of them's blonde and the other one's a brunette. Really? Yeah, do you think that'll either. stay though? Because you started off blonde though no. and you turned... I did, I did, yeah. I used to have blonde hair and blue eyes that were curly and now I've got beautiful raven-coloured locks. Mm-hmm. For my eyes are dark as dark as my soul. Oh, here we go. You get very poetic. It's like when the podcast released. We're going to have to put a timestamp on the podcast because none of this is about mm-hmm. Packers. But come here. No. Daughter is pronounced like laughter. <laughs> She's a daft. Daughter. Uh, Paul is pronounced like Raul. But we kind of already Paul. Like we'd say stuff like that on the reg. Um, yeah. Pineapples pronounced like Minneapolis. Also, I do like to pronounce the word buffet as buffet, regardless buffet. of what anyone yeah. says. Mm-hmm. And if anyone wants to go and watch the ballet, they're going to have a look at the ballet. Yeah, and if someone ever says, um, you know, oh, pronounced sausage as sausage, that's a regular in my household. It's not always related to sausages. But yeah, Pinny uh, Annapolis would be uh, Pineapolis instead of <laughs> Pinnyanapolis. Um, Pinnyanapolis. I have a feeling if we don't stop doing this, someone mm-hmm. is going to find us, hunt us down and punch us both in the willet. Yeah, right. I'll give you one more. Uh, actually, two more. If flood is pronounced like food, but will an L in it? <laughs> flood. <laughs> oh, my house got flood. <laughs> my house got flood. Yeah, that's just Swedish. Um, if limestone was pronounced like minestrone. <laughs> so limestone. <laughs> I've got some problem with the limestrone in my house. Um, so I, I think we should swiftly move on because I think we've after yeah. it. Well, on do you know Swedish what we have avoided Italian. talking about now? Because if we are going to timestamp this, we have mm. avoided talking about, and we're not going to mention it, of course, we're not going to mention the um, salary cap. God damn it! Ah, it for again. God's Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, it, look, it gets really boring. Like, uh, look, it, this is what I say about the salary cap, right? Is that we need to know what it is. We need to know that it's there. We need to know what the mark is at. We need to know what the carryover is. We need to know what people's contracts are. 
Um, but it's become a real uh, wheelie waving competition um, online yeah, has, yeah. of people yeah. like, you know, trying to come up with, oh, well, this is the style. I can't forget this. Look, all of that's brilliant. And if you're into it um, and looking into it, it's great. Like there's some really good resources. Like Ken Ingalls is all over it. Um, mm. Peter does his stuff. He, he's all yeah. over it. But like it's seemingly that, you know, there's about a billion anoraks out there who are diving in going, well, if you carry a one and bring the 10, you know, it's like, all right. And the thing was, and this will show you, right? So they brought out the number for the Packers with the carryover, and it's 186.2, I believe, or 186.6. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Ken Ingalls came out and said, oh, that's exactly what I have. So it's like what Bill Burr says about the draft, is that you can go into the nitty-gritty and, and stay up all night, but they released a list of what it is in the morning. So, like, you can stay up and watch it, and, like, I, I do it. And he's just yeah. calling out my own ridiculousness and many of yeah. the listeners, of course. But if you want to get into the granular of the cap, most of the time you can just do nothing. And then it's, someone will just say, this is what it is. Because it's one of these things like, it's like trying to guess the weather the next day. Like there's there's an element that, yeah, you need to go if you're playing cricket, but at the same time, who cares? You know? Yeah. But, I agree. Completely agree with that. But that said, uh, Pat McAfee's calling it Massacre Week, Daryl, because they're, mm. this, this is the thing about the salary cap too is what I will say, right? Uh, is that Pat, the Brian Gutekunst come out and said that we can only really sign one um, free agent, one sort of top of the range free agent. Uh, you want to mention Aaron Jones. Um, and also, there's a, it's Massacre Week because there's so many big names being cut. So we could pick up, and again, people are saying we're going to pick up the sort of the usual bargain basement uh, sort of guys you know sort of the real veterans or someone who can come in and add some value I don't know though because if the, if the salary cap is a bit of a pinch for everybody like we were saying before there might be some really top quality talent out there that is being undervalued just with the with the time that's in it you know like look at all the people that bought up half of New York real estate wise yep. when the recession hit you know yep. that, they, those buildings weren't actually valued at that people just didn't have the shekels the sheets to overturn the Dallas to, uh, to, to the you lids know, the, the lids notes. the notes uh, to go and buy up this stuff so it's the same as uh, like we saw Kenny Vaccaro be released today yeah. Um, so there's, there's stuff like that, you know, so you're going to get veterans at certain positions. Now, you will have teams. Yeah, that I think flush. that's right. They, what's going to be very interesting about this, um, and whilst it doesn't make salary cap discussions any more exciting, but it definitely will do, though, it's going to change the value on the market of what these guys in any other year would have been worth. Because mm. as you said, there's going to be some seriously good players, horrendously undervalued. Yeah. And they're all going to be pretty desperate. Whereas beforehand, and I, I include Jones in this conversation, beforehand, these guys were going to be out and say, I want all of this money. Look who I am. Look what I've done. But like anything, you flood the market, the price goes down. So I have a feeling here, and I think this, and this runs nicely into Jones. I mean, they've they've said what, they, what we knew they would. They're not going to use the franchise tag to get him. And I still, and I think the, the truth is holds true from what we said last week, that they're using this franchise tag as almost like a borderline threat. Say, look, mate, you're at the negotiating table. We will talk to you. But we can always just sign you on the franchise tag if we want to. And you've no choice in the matter. So I have a feeling there is going to be a, lo- a little bit of panic out there with guys who would have thought last year or the year before mm. that, you know, I'm a big deal. I'm going to get all sorts of money. Um, and I have a feeling these guys are going to get released. There are going to be some bargains to be had. And I'm looking forward to seeing if we can snatch one or two. Give me a cornerback, please. Yeah. Uh, well, that's exactly it. A cornerback, or is is there a safety out there that mm, yeah. you know we could we could pick up the kind of slot? In? Because we saw, because look, we're deficient in linebacker, hugely so, yeah. in in experience there. So can you get someone who's 
uh, you know, any defensive back, any, you know, cornerback safety who's going to be able to come in and, and play the sort of, you know, dive, talking about the diamond nickel package and all this, where they're bringing the lads, the, the sort of more diminutive guys up and playing them as kind of hybrid linebackers. I mean, there's going to be an awful lot of uh, moving and shaking, but here's a question I have for you, Daryl, right? Mm. Um, and I, again, I'm willing to be proven wrong. But do you think, because this is, this is what I've seen, I'm not going to tell you what I feel about it, um, but uh, the thing is, I've saw this thing said they're not going to use the franchise tag on Aaron Jones because they're a class organisation and they wouldn't force him to be in a place that they don't want him to be in. Do you buy any of that? No. Same. Because the thing is, like what you were saying, right, not to sort of ask your opinion and then dive straight in for you first, but when you look at the franchise tag, yes, it forces a player to be there or... It, you know, someone has to come in and offer some crazy money for them depending on, you know, what their contract situation is, not the poor people. So we saw it happen with Robinson in Chicago. Like he yep. said, he'd willingly play or want to play anywhere else he wants out. They're after franchise tagging him, right? Yep. Um, so, you know, it's all this, like I saw the hashtag free uh, Alan Robinson going around <laughs> the internet. Uh, you know, the internet never loses. Um, and it's the same with Aaron Jones. Yes, you will have potentially a disgruntled person on the thing. But look, you know, they're they're a business man, yep. not a businessman. So when you look at this, like Aaron Jones is not going to put like, tripe on like tape. That's like Spider Man. Mm. It's like Spider Man. Imagine his surname is Spider Man. Spider Man. Yeah, he's <laughs> like the East East Side Spidermans. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's that's Joel Spiderman's that's Spider Man. Yeah, Are you sure it's not yeah. Spider Man. No, I think Spider Man. No, um, he's he's good friends with the Supermans down the road. But if you think about Aaron Jones, right, uh, he's not going to put tripe on tape just because he's disgruntled. And if he is, well, then he's not a team player, um, you know, with that whole thing. I don't think the Packers, first off, I think that it is an element of um, keeping an ace in your back pocket, leaking out there that you're not going to use it or you are or whatever. Um, the other thing is as well is, is that if Gudekunst is after coming out and leaking that, well, then that has some sort of contractual or ne- yeah. negotiation tactic yeah. to say we're not going to use the franchise tag and not to call someone's bluff because maybe they're too far away and they're negotiating and they think, I'm going to keep asking for this money because I think they're going to franchise tag me anyway. And then if they say, well, we're not going to do that now, well, then it's like, oh, damn, I think you're actually not going to do it. So it might be mind games. Um, so we I can't look into that's what it is. it's not yeah, compassionate that's what it is they're a bit like no. Goody's, Goody's not into like oh well let's all sit around in circles and say kumbaya they're not, not franchise tagging them because they respect them they undoubtedly do respect them but particularly the Packers who've been criticised uh, in the media as of late for you know kind of disrespecting players that have been there for a long time but not even opening up talks now I would proffer maybe that's respectful by saying I'm not going to lowball you but then we have heard about people being lowballed as well but I don't think it's on compassionate grounds though no, I don't think it's compassionate grounds. What I do think it points to is that the relationship hasn't broken down irreparably where mm. they have they didn't posit it as an actual threat. They said it is an option. Yeah. But I have a feeling they're still talking and what this actually proves is we could have done this, we didn't. We're here in good faith, come mm. to us with a proper figure. And I have a feeling that's probably where they are in the negotiations. And I hope it isn't a standoff um, with the new agent. That's the only thing I'm hoping. I hope this guy isn't trying to prove a point that he's going to fight tooth and nail Jerry Maguire style here. That, that like he's actually going to he's going to come to the table with a proper figure because at the end of the day, um, you can highball all you like. There aren't going to be teams out there jumping up and down to throw serious money at Jonesy, no matter how good he is. We know how good he is, but the fact is, teams don't pay for them. They're not going to pay for him no matter what. And if he's seen to be difficult, that's the other point. If he's seen to be difficult, teams will go hang on a minute. Know your place. You know, you've got to know your place. This is your type of player you are. We don't pay for these. No one does. What you're asking for, you cannot have. So, Yeah, look, they've all been very careful, as usual, with how they've handled their PR. Jones has said that he wants to be back. He has a Green Bay chain. He's organised events in Green Bay for later in the year. 
and um, we've MVS come out in the media and say that he's a stand-up guy and Jones is saying love your brother and sort of coming out and saying yeah that's exactly that kind of represents my voice and who I am um, you know what we were given about the age, agent change uh, earlier in the year was is that there was talk that he wanted to get the deal done the new the, his existing agent for some reason it wasn't happening so that's why he switched yeah. agents because he was getting frustrated because he wanted to stay in Green Bay so I mean everything that's been put out there is that he's a Packer for life but again yeah. as you say that's the image of I'm loyal to my team I don't want to leave but if I have to it's not because again it's it's paying respect to all of the fans that love him because he's dynamite uh, and also to show fans of his next team you know what they're in for that this guy's loyal he's standby he cares about the fans and all that type of stuff but at the end of the day it's a money racket so all of the stuff of like yep. oh you'll go somewhere for the extra money like yeah he's a running back I mean, of course you do well of course yeah. you do and like if you look at any any sports star they're not employees they're basically just consultants they're taken on to play for a figure and their career is finite no one knows how mm. long they're going to last running backs have a notoriously short shelf life because of the job they do so I don't blame the guy if he, if he wants to make as much money as he can he's got to look out for himself at the end as well because it, when it boils down and we've already covered the point Green Bay is a business uh, and you know he's got to look out for himself course they'll do the best by their team to try and keep harmony in the camp but let's face it at the bottom line it's dollars here I think as long as it's nothing ludicrous I, I really would hope that the Packers would so honestly I. genuinely try because I do think he's more pivotal than people yep. remember yep. or, or realise but the, the thing is is that AJ Dillon like if he was drafted to be the successor well then maybe they're not arsed in a way and I mean that in every sort of respectful um, serious way not that like they don't care about Aaron Jones but if that was their succession plan to begin with well then mm. you know they're well, kind they're not of in any hurry. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're not, not going to fully commit to it but I, I do think yeah. Aaron Jones it's not easy to get an Aaron Jones and it, it's hilarious no. to me that people are like oh just pick another one up in the fifth round and run him back and just bang him look in there look what he does like, oh, look geez. what he does look at the size of him yeah. look what he does look how he does it you don't see he gets through tackles in places he shouldn't be able to he's too small to be in the position he's in he's dynamite but on the other side of that looking at Packers as being a business and the NFL generally let's face it they, they love the money but it's nice to see that the Packers are keeping the general seating prices the same for 2021 so they've put a bit of a price freeze on that which is really nice to see because let's face it the sport is on its knees like every other sport mm. um, where they don't have people coming through the gates. So that was nice to see. It's just a nice touch. Again, I think it tips back to, and we're going to discuss it now in a minute, but it tips back to the, you know, the fan-centric base of Packers. Yeah, I, that's certainly what I think, all right. Um, I would say as well is that I wonder is there a consideration of the amount of people that have lost loved ones and have lost jobs. So maybe the money wouldn't yeah. be there had they hiked it. But as you said, I mean, the demand for Packers tickets since yeah. Lombardi has been through the yeah. through the ceiling. So they yeah. could they could literally say one million dollars and people go, yeah, cool. Yeah, so, you know, we yeah. get some brats and it'll be, it'll be worth it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, definitely a nice touch not to go. Because again, the Packers do need to be careful and scrupulous with their cash uh, when not having that rich bankrolling owner so again as yeah. usual they do a fantastic job uh, Gabrielle and, and Mark Murphy and Ed Policy and um, all those good people over there in Green Bay um, brilliant job uh, they do care about the fans and, and try to do their best so uh, yeah that's definitely good to see an interesting one too uh, Daryl was about Preston Smith the rumours coming out that mm. he was on uh, the trade block and that they were trying to move him so now it kind of brings into focus kind of what we were saying last week where uh, it was surprising to hear Goody say that he wanted to bring Preston back. It seems like he's shown his hand now that the reason why he was saying that was, was like, oh, well, we really want him, but if you want him, well, we'll take him yeah. off our hands, you know? Yeah. Um, he's, he's, he, we love him so much, we can't let him... Oh, okay, how much? Okay, 
So yeah, it seems to be the way. So again, yeah. anybody who's trying to read into compassionate grounds for Aaron Jones, just do bear in mind that uh, that's what they were looking with with Preston Smith. So anything that's released mm-hmm. publicly, especially because I mean, there's like from speaking to Jason Wildey and Rob Tomofsky over the years, like they often point towards the fact that they know a certain narrative that people just simply do not know because they will hear rumours and innuendo and they know enough people in the organisation to hear things that they can't actually release. Um, so, you know, there, there's a different narrative going on there. Anything that anything anybody releases in this business with it being so much money, it's from the agent, it might be from the Packers, it might be someone close to the Packers um, or it's just someone looking for clickbait. So you never know until all the dust settles. Um, but... With that being said, have anything else in the news uh, pique your interest or will we get on and do a bit of legacy documentary talk? I think this is a good point. To, since we're at the, the modern end or the, the sharp end of the way, Jerry, let's go back to the to the beginning, will we? Let's go to the legacy. Oh, yeah. And I was going to do Clown of the Week, but I, I can, I'm conscious of the time and I do want to talk about this documentary. I'll do Clown of the Week next week. Um, oh, cliffhanger. <laughs> oh, I know, right? Um, does that mean they remain clowns for two weeks on the trot or does if another clown comes along next week, they get bumped? Well, you see, the thing is, Skip Bayless is the gold standard, right? So he's just a yeah, okay. static okay. clown. Okay. So you have to beat him out um, even though he's got a whopper payday. So if you can beat him <laughs> out in any given them. week. So if not, that's why if you don't do clown of the week for a couple of weeks, still, Skip yeah. Bayless, right? His, his trophies. He's already Delicious. been inducted into the uh, Clown Hall of Fame. But come here. Uh, legacy documentary. A sweeping general statement, Daryl. Uh, worth a watch. Any general criticisms or a rollicking good ride? I liked it. I mean, it's it's made in the in a very old fashioned way. It goes chronological. It starts mm. year by year, and it gives you you know interviews of people who are in the organization, relatives of people in the organization. You know, so it's not groundbreaking the way it's made, but that's the whole point, and that's what yeah. makes this so good. It, this is an anorax documentary. Let's face it. Mm. Speaking of which, have you ever seen a female train spotter? Never. Yeah, it's only a male thing. Oh, I don't know, though, because uh, the young lad got into trains and then that made me get into trains. And yeah, look, they're predominantly like old there men. There you go. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that men um, love statistics and weird stuff. Like, so this sort of stuff, to be fair, as a history doc goes, it's it's brilliant in the sense of there's actually no sport in it. It's completely factual based as to how this thing came about. And it strikes me very much so being Irish obviously it strikes me very much the same way the GAA would have started out it's very similar to that sort of setup it's these guys getting together and the fact and I mean it starts out with this and I think David Moranis comes out with it I think he um, he's the editor with the Washington Post now but he said the Packers improbable unprecedented success is living proof that the truth is stranger than fiction Yeah, and he puts it really well like this first ep- episode if, if you want to tell if you want to you know, people always ask me especially being Firstly, not American. Secondly, not from Wisconsin. But they say to you, why do you support the Packers? Basically, without waxing lyrical like me and you are tend to do, what you need to do is just point them, just say, sit down and watch that. Because mm. the first episode basically frames it in, in a way that, you know, they basically say that the, the Packers shouldn't exist. And if they still exist, they should not be in Green Bay. Yeah. And that's a fact. And that's the reason why we love them. And if you sort of start from there... And you just watch this episode, um, you kind of get why everyone, I think, supports the Packers, whether they know it or not. It all started at the very beginning and it hasn't changed. The fact that they're still owned by the fans, that's how it started out. In order for them not to be destroyed and to get wiped out completely, yeah. they had to get buy-in from the fans to survive. So that's, I mean, it's it's at its very genesis. It's not like, you know, you can look at other teams and you go, well, that came along sort of 50 years into their history. It didn't. This was the very beginning of them and it is what they are. And as, the, and as another quote from it is, it's a very religious city, the number one religion in Green Bay being the Packers. 
Well, that's a fact. I mean, we go over every year. The pandemic obviously trying to spanner in the works there. Um, but again, just to let people know, actually, uh, we're still going to plan the trip. The schedule's out, I think, in the second week of May, which is later than usual. So uh, we're going to plan that. But yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Um, I'm excited. I'm so excited. Um, so when you look at the story, first off, what gives this credibility for me is, is that it's not some sort of hagiography. It's, hmm. it's run by Cliff Crystal. And if people don't know who Cliff Crystal uh, is, he's the Packers historian. But he's not a... He's obviously a, a Packers fan, but I, I would nearly call him more of a history um, addict than a, a Packers fan. He used to write disparaging uh, articles back in the day against the Packers back in the 80s when they were terrible. And he used to take them to task. And so in fairness and credit to the Packers, they brought him in to be the historian because yep. of the amount of research and stuff that he knew. He went back and got the old microfilm. Um, of all of the old papers and over a period of 30 to 40 years went through every single article pulling out what he knew the guy is unbelievable what I like about him as well is he wears leather jackets and he looks like he's the he, he drives a motorbike this dude why is that important I don't know but it just he doesn't suffer fools kindly and that's what I hear from people who know him as well they're like oh yeah Cliff mm-hmm. you know it can be a bit Barbie with, with things so from knowing that you know the journals and the beat look at him with this sort of reverence to it's driven by him and he does the heritage tour, but he doesn't sugarcoat it there. One thing that instantly oh. stood out for me was is when they go into Curly Lambeau's grandfather who pulled a gun on his wife and someone he suspected her with having an affair with and shot at them. I believe he struck her and she got injured. I think the man got injured as well. And then he turned the gun on himself, which is pretty mm-hmm. grisly stuff. But they didn't yep. try to say all of this is, is lollipops and sugar plums. And they're even saying like there was mismanagement there. And, you know, if you get further on in the documentary, they go into other stuff as well. But that's what struck me from the very beginning is that first off, it has credibility because of Cliff. And second off is that it's, it seems to be warts and all, which is great. Yeah, definitely that. And the other thing about, the first thing about Curly Lambo, because it's easy to take Lambo and put him on a pedestal. This yeah. documentary doesn't do that. You know, they basically make him out that he's a, you know, he's a bit shifty. He's a bit of a liar. You can't trust anything that comes out of his mouth. Yeah. And that again is shocking stuff when you're going, oh, hang on a minute. Most other, if he, again, if he was a fanboy, this wouldn't have, he wouldn't have shaped it that way. He just left that out. Uh, so the fact that that's in there again is pretty good. One thing that came, the whole scene throughout this entire documentary is basically that the Packers are Irish. <laughs> that's what I got. Yeah. Uh, Curly Lambeau? I mean, Curly, Curly Lambeau, right? Lambeau. Well, he's from the Walloon region in Belgium, which is in Europe, so it's basically Ireland. Basically Ireland, that's kind of the same. Yeah, um, so there is a bunch of paddies there, but it's interesting is, what yeah. you say about Curly Lambeau because when I spoke with Ralph Hickok, um, who wrote that excellent book that I always plug about Johnny Blood McNally, uh, the Vagabond mm-hmm. Halfback, you know, he was talking about uh, Curly and how some of the lads just didn't respect him and that he draw up plays that like literally physically weren't possible. And Johnny Blood had to go up to the chalkboard and correct what he was putting on. And so there's this sort of, uh, you know, and then as well as that Arch Ward who brought out the history of the Packers, which my good buddy Steve uh, was good enough to send me over a copy of that book. I think it was released 1945. Um, But an awful lot of that was co-written or ghost-written even uh, by Curly Lambeau himself. And that's what perpetuated some of the myth around the team because the official history... Which is vitally important when you think of it. It's vitally important Mm. that that myth should be there. Yeah. And like there's, there's that... And then there's the Vince Lombardi wasn't happy that they were going to rename the stadium uh, Lambeau Fields and he wasn't on for it. And, and as well as that, like Curly Lambeau basically fell out with everybody by the end. You know, he'd sort of, yeah. he'd burned his wife. He They said he turned Hollywood, which everyone who's, you know, familiar with Packers history knows. But I have a, I have a podcast 
um, all about Curly Lambo and how, you know, Lambo Field and how it got its name. And after that podcast, I got some great feedback about people saying, Jesus, I didn't know. Because if you don't mm. dig deep, dig deep, well, then you look at it and you go, oh, Lambo, it's the name of the stadium. So obviously this guy was absolutely fantastic and flawless. He was a heavily flawed man, Daryl, wasn't he? I mean, yeah. oh yeah, you know, from, from the very beginning, like going from his grandfather to just the sort of shyster that he was. But I love as well that they, you know, there's always this thing of like he meets George Whitney Calhoun. They have a chat on a on a street corner and then the rest is like a big megalith monolith of an organization like i love in this documentary as well they go they don't really know when or where it happened they don't even know what was spoken about on the very first meeting they've more info on the second because it was documented but other than that they haven't really got a rashers about some of this stuff that people are put down in in black and white that they definitely know what happened that's just there's a lot of unknown well let's we see what i find is very that's very funny and that's obviously very deliberate as well this is only 1919 for example like when you look back to the say the beginning of the GAA and the end of the 1800s that was all minuted deliberately here this was deliberately obviously not minuted um, and I think that's again to do with the fact that Lambeau was always had an eye to the future whether it came to anything it didn't matter but he mm. wasn't going to write that down and Calhoun as well reminds me very much of um, the Tour de France actually because if you think about this symbiotic relationship that they had it was obviously Calhoun wanted to do it because if he made Green Bay Packers or the Acme Packers, the Indian Packers as they were, if he made them into a decent side and got a decent following, he would sell newspapers. And let's yeah. face it, that's where the Tour de France came from. The Tour de France came from the to try and sell um, newspaper called Lotto in France at the time. So if you think this was a mutually beneficial relationship, these this could have been quite easily two shysters, each one knowing what each other guy wanted out of this relationship and made it happen. Um, what I will say, to going back to the charisma that Lambeau must have had, though. He filled the team up with these absolute giants. And I don't know how he managed it. If you look at Cub Book, for example, or even the Dwyer brothers, two Irish guys, mm. obviously. Um, and then if you look at the... And you, you've mentioned them already with Johnny Blood or McNally, as he was known, another Irishman. Um, but if you look at the Ironman era in the 1920s, how did Lambeau get these guys into the into the club? You look at Hubbard. I mean, he was six foot four. Michelski, you got Johnny Blood. He built up a team of absolute animals it, it reminds me slightly of the um was it space jam yeah and like the bad guys in space jam there were all these giant big basketball monsters and that yeah. must have been what it looked like playing green bay packers in the 1920s with guys at six foot four and six foot five be like running into a wall yeah and uh, the thing that you can't they, they can't take away from lambo either was that this was a run game this was a very bludgeony sport it was based heavily on rugby, obviously. And we can't get revisionist with the history either. So if you look at some of the numbers that they put up, it was just ridiculous. The rules were different back then. The ball was fatter. Um, you know, the ball got turned over a lot. Um, and you had to throw the ball five yards behind the line of scrimmage. It was just mm. this sort of scrambling around, um, you know, making the magic happen. And, you know, we see Don Hudson comes along um, at a later stage and literally invents the route tree. Um, but Lambo made it his primary style of attack was the pass it was extremely successful so there's all this talk that he was under newt rockney um when it when it came to notre dame or notre dame mm-hmm. as we would say notre dame um, yeah. and that he did the notre dame or notre dame box um and all this that's how that's how he was successful there but then they point to the fact that like and it's sort of it's seen as a criticism on him right that he only had a year in the system and they're like well he didn't really know it but how brilliant is it that he had a year in the yeah. system but he was able to come yeah. up and, and come down to sport for so long yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that actually surprises me as well. And I think man flu has something to do with this because he doesn't go to Wisconsin University, which is a bit of a surprise. He goes yeah. to Notre Dame instead, right? Again, why? No one knows. He gets the flu, man flu, obviously, and he drops out. And then he goes working for the Indian Packing Company. 
Hmm. Again, no reason is provided why any of this stuff happens. But he obviously fills he fills up the team obviously with his with his well actually the high school guys. And that was really interesting as well, and you see it in every single city on the planet, but the East West high school rivalry and the east-west rivalry in green bay today uh, obviously in every city it's slightly different in dublin it's north south and in fact in mm. most cities in ireland it's north south but it was really interesting to read about that and to see that rivalry come together and for them all to eventually play for you know play for each other uh, but n- still never forget to remind each other which side of the river they come from and what's really funny as well from an irish angle is that they had their business manager murphy uh, who's such a cute hoer is that he goes and asks fans to volunteer materials and labour and then he fences in the field and charges yeah. them to get past it and you're and kind of thinking oh, ice yeah. to the Eskimo stuff he, that is. you know what he definitely was Murphy was definitely an accountant just saying it <laughs> just saying it hey he, d- okay. he did well I'm not saying he's a bad person mm. I'm not saying he's a bad person but I tell you what, um, they did a great job uh, back in the day because you know, like we see it all sort of hit the skids with the scandals. So like, there's the high school players playing and the Packers get kicked out. Um, even though, look, Green Bay was the seventh biggest city back yeah. then. So they weren't even the biggest team in their state, uh, which is absolutely unbelievable. Milwaukee had a team themselves. Um, but we see the Irishman, Riggy Dwyer, has an accident um, and they raise yeah. four grand for him. Um, so it's just it's little stories like that where they were still able to pull in an, an unbelievable amount of money and Murphy did that for uh, Riggy Dwyer to give him the cash because you know he had that bad accident um, and then you know I don't think you've talked about it yet but Cub Book you know Curly signs yeah. Cub Book for $100 a game which was unbelievable this guy was six foot, 240 pounds he punted he did kickoffs he was a blocker he was a lineman and this was sort of Lambo as usual. He was this trendsetter. So he went with the passing game. Then he paid an unbelievable amount of money for a player, which wasn't done back then. And later on, Lambo famously used to fly the team to games. Everyone else would be getting, you know, trains. He ended up flying the team to games. And that was a trendsetting thing to do as well. So although the game was relatively new and Lambo was relatively naive about the whole deal, even though he was a track star and a football star uh, back in Green Bay himself beforehand, the stuff that he was doing was always seen to be Daryl pretty cutting edge until he kind of later on in his career and lost his way and started philandering around with, with the ladies. Um, but apart from that, uh, I mean, it's a story of innovation, really, from the beginning. And like you say, yep. they depended on the Packer fans and they were ridiculously fanatic back then. Like you said, it was that symbiotic relationship between the paper and the mm-hmm. team and the paper get everybody whipped up. And because of that uh, relationship, there's more written about the Packers as kind of this sort of amateur team um, and there's so much history to the Packers which keeps Cliff Crystal busy uh, than yeah. almost any other team because it was so well documented by Calhoun and, and everybody at the at the Press Gazette. Well, this way, it attracted people like us, didn't it? I mean, if you think yeah. about it, that a team like this, a, a, a small city in Green Bay, uh, could attract this kind of notoriety is fantastic. Uh, and they also beat the Bears in 1929 as well, uh, which obviously proved from the very beginning the Bears suck. <laughs> yeah well I tell you we got our ass handed to us a lot by the Bears in the early days Again, that is a good point but one of those things that like you know the the Packers are full of paddies Chicago famously and is still famously full of paddies and that was one of the real grudge matches when they went down mm, to the Bears yeah. um, like a massive city uh, that could you know field a pretty good team but they make it clear early on there which is what I like about the documentary just because Cliff Crystal says it's the most fascinating story in sports and this is a very discerning guy a very critical guy and a super knowledgeable guy Jesus I snap up everything that he writes and again mm-hmm. not to be too sort of sycophantic or, or praisy about him but he, this is one guy that you can trust with his info who really knows his stuff but like the Packers so. have the high school players and then they get turfed out and then they end up Curly Lambo schmoozes his way back in which I 
love as well that there's no record of the Packers paying the franchise no. fee. No, exactly. Could they could have paid anything? They could have paid, and he always changed the amount as well. Didn't he? <laughs> Whenever he was asked how much did you pay to get back in, he'd always change the amount. And this is again, and to my overarching point, somebody of somebody say of a more normal bent couldn't have done what Curly Lambeau did. Green Bay would have just been destroyed because this guy was he was off the books. This guy went off the reservation. He didn't do things in the normal fashion. And he created this... I just don't think anyone else could have done it. If you play it straight, yeah. I don't think Green Bay would have survived. But this guy had an edge. And he seemed to get what he wanted. Now, as you say, the wheels came off the wagon. But that was... At that point, Green Bay was up and running. Yeah, and I mean, look, it's it's one of many stories from the beginning. I mean, what it strikes me is with this team is that we were so fortunate... Um, we to have Curly Lambeau and then have Murphy come along and do what he did and then to you know get the materials and labour to build this thing to charge gate receipts and um, then to Curly to get us back into the league and then there was in 1921 um, you know they wanted to get rid of all the small town teams and we faced Minneapolis and if we lost yeah. that game we were going to get kicked from yeah, the league gone. the Packers yeah. won 7-6 they were re- this franchise was rescued at the very beginning two years it was in its infancy by one point so the Packers have always had the core fanatics they were willing to put the money where their mouth was uh, and again I love as well that they say in the documentary that the Packers always had good road support because some things just never change I mean we still travel <laughs> so well but one of my favourite stories Daryl is the one about the um, the Packers band when they go to Chicago yeah. The Lumberjacks? Yeah, amazing. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah, and again, I would say it's worth a watch. It's really well done. It's extremely chronological, but that's what you want. It covers 10 years. Um, I think we'll, we'll definitely do the next episode in a couple of weeks and do that, but Cliff Crystal does a great job on this, and he is completely impartial. He does include the warts and all on this. Yeah. Things that you go, oh, hang on a minute, I'd like to know more about that, but you can't because there isn't any more. Mm. No one knows. So he leaves it. He doesn't um, try and invent stuff that doesn't exist. Uh, but he, he reminds me, Cliff Crystal, of I was listening to... Um, it was some. I must have been on Facebook or Instagram or something. But it was this little child, and and they said to him, "Who do you support?" And he goes, "Manchester United." And they go, "Oh, really? Who's your favourite player?" None. They're all rubbish. <laughs> so it's kind of that thing with Cliff Crystal as well. He kind of just says it as it is. He oh, goes, yeah. "Yes, I'm a Packers fan, but it's not necessarily that I think they're amazing at everything they do." And he criticises them in in the same way. So it's worth a watch for that alone. It's an, it's on the Packers website. And kudos again for the Packers hierarchy for putting that up because if they wanted a fan video. They mm. could have gotten two Egypts like us to do something and it would have been pure. Oh, this is going to be amazing. We're going to do everything's going to be pro Packers. They didn't. No. They got Crystal in to do it and he puts it up there. And so that's why it's worth to watch. It's on the website, but it's impartial. Yeah. And a couple of names that sort of sweep into the podcast. Uh, Brent Hensel's in there. Uh, so he's the guy who runs the Packers Hall of Fame. I've had him on the podcast before. Really interesting guy. The stuff he was talking about on that podcast. I might try dig out the link to that podcast and drop it. Um, in the description uh, Mike Holmgren and Ron Wolf appear uh, it's always good to see their faces and get their opinion and again not to shamelessly plug it because I'm literally giving the stuff away but I have Ron Wolf signed mini helmet to give away for Patreon supporters and what? I have a Mike Holmgren signed photo which has which has the big man Brett Farvin so I mean some really great stuff also also want yeah I know it's that's what's so painful a bit to give this stuff away but look as you said I mean just a an amazing effort by everybody uh, in the Packers org again not to get too sycophantic about it but like you know because you can buy the DVD box set but also you can just go to the website and there's actually a dedicated tab that you go to to go and see all of these things and for the Packers to have the history that they do for them to put this much work into doing it um, because 
again, someone will correct me if I'm wrong here, but I know Cliff Crystal was bringing out the book version of this, which I'd love to snap up because I got... That'd be great. Just for the photos. Just for the photos alone. Yeah. Because I got the Heritage Tour book, um, which is fantastic to dip in and out of. It's got some great pictures, which I will say about this documentary too. It has some wonderful old footage. Yeah, um, the footage is that great. You can't really get anywhere else, you know, because some of the stuff well, you see especially on to see how the game looked like yeah. it's like any sport like to, to, maybe soccer aside because you know it's to be fair it hasn't changed an awful lot it's still recognisable but you look back at rugby even 20 years ago it's a different sport you look back at football American football that is 100 years ago yeah it's not the same sport yeah yeah exactly I mean and it's sort of you really need to get your mind back into the era of what the game was like back then because even Jerry Kramer talks about that it wasn't fashionable it wasn't sexy and it wasn't revered to become a football player even in the 60s so you can imagine doing it 40 years prior to this but I tell you what we see uh, you know Johnny Blood McNally um we see Cal Hubbard's uh, mention of it in there. And it's good to hear McNally's voice because when I spoke to Ralph Hecock, he said he had so many tapes of when he travelled around with Johnny Blood for years. And I was just trying, you know, dying to get my hands onto him. And I was sort of speaking to him back and forth a bit, just saying, could he dig out those tapes? He said he had them somewhere. Um, the other thing that it highlights, I think, which is, you know, definitely in Peter's wheelhouse, is Vern Llewellyn. Um, you know, he was outstanding in low-scoring games. His punting was unbelievable and that he should be in the Hall of Fame, but he isn't. And in fact to bring it back to Ralph Hickok again but he asked Johnny Blood like who should be in the Hall of Fame that isn't and he said Vern Llewellyn I mean the guy was yeah. an absolute animal but that's the problem Daryl too isn't it like what you're kind of saying it's nice to see the game back then you know we don't have a proper perspective and we can't have a proper perspective of what the good players were like but can you imagine Johnny Blood you know one of the absolute phenoms in basically any sport as you can see from his book even boxing I mean the guy was just gifted athletically uh, but for him to come out and say like you don't understand how pivotal this player was yet for us it's just an old grainy picture or you know yeah. and there's not much to really go on um so yeah look they win the, it ends i think when they win the championship right in 1929 um and you know Ray Nitschke's banging on about the players played because they loved the game but it was really the Ironman era back then Daryl I mean the game was different everyone had to play both sides of the ball but what really rings true and I think what's a testament to the people of Green Bay and we certainly see when we go over the loyalty that the Packers fans have in the team are unbelievable but I tell you what they're lucky because the Packers team was good which drove the loyalty and the loyalty which was good which drove the Packers that was symbiotic which perpetuated the whole thing uh, further into times where they would not be so good um, and I think yeah. it, it's just it's honestly it is a fascinating story that everything seemed to come together just to keep this team you know buoyant until it was safe really with how it is today but just an incredible story. Very well done. No, it is really good. And the next episode is, is just as good, in fact, because we're getting into some pretty tough times because it hits the Great Depression. So I think we'll take that one on board um, and we'll obviously do a review of that in the next few weeks. But anyone who calls themselves a Packers fan probably has already seen this. Mm. But if you haven't, go and have a look. Check it out. Yeah, because for a while people couldn't get access to it because it was only aired, I think, on TV or something. But yeah, it's on the Packers website for free, which is unbelievable. But anyway, um, as is free, the podcast is. But if you want to get involved, get yourself a free t-shirt. I'm sending another raft of them this month and also get free merch every single month. Go to patreon.com forward slash UK Packers. If you want to see what the prizes are, then go to youtube.com forward slash UK Packers because I have a mega merch haul. There's another merch haul before that and all of that stuff hasn't been given away yet. We've got, you know, big massive giant heavy Oscar style bobbleheads uh, signed stuff from Brett Favre the 1960s Packers team on a pick of Lombardi the stuff is actually mind boggling so if you're sitting on the fence and you haven't yet done it um, it's definitely worth a punt because we're only giving the stuff away to Patreon supporters now because the um, the draws have got large and so the 
you know value of the items and the items that they are are super rare and very expensive as well so definitely welcome and everybody's fan cave a ton of signed mini helmets which are great because unlike jerseys where you have to get them framed and you know you have these lads scalping you but you can do it sort of for cheap on your own the helmets you can just they're in the display box already i posted a, a way in bubble wrap and some very inventive wrapping daryl uh, and then you just get it unwrap it and stick it up on your shelf and you just have to dust the outside box every now and then it's absolutely fantastic um so anyway anything else from you at daryl j o'brien or forever hold your peace no that's it i'm good cool right if people want to watch that second documentary do and you can sort of uh nod along and chat along with us on the podcast the next time around fan of the week will be coming back by the way uh because we definitely want to have more fan interaction and get used to you guys and you can nominate your own clown of the week gary i did get your nomination and i'll shove it into next week's podcast we should hopefully know more uh next week about players free agency and all that kind of good stuff but from myself at steedy the nfl the paddy packer on instagram which is like it's, oh, it's just I'm going to report myself from at Daryl J O'Brien on Twitter from at UK Packers on Instagram Facebook um, and YouTube and of course get into that private group on Facebook 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 and bring in Facebook back it's um, it's Go Pack Go from him and me bye Dos for